0: Hello and welcome to the Chiropractic Why podcast with me Dr. Johnny Collar from the Chiropractic Why and today I am pretty excited to um, introduce Dr. Ricardo Flores and um, over the last sort of couple of months someone that I've become acquainted with and had some really nice back and forths on on Instagram through through some of the stuff we've been posting and some of the stuff he's been posting. But today I'm really excited that we're gonna be covering some information on the Wilkes case, which um, unfortunately is something within chiropractic history that probably as a profession, we don't know enough about. Um, So hopefully today we can give uh, some information on that, but we'll we'll see where this goes. Ricardo, thank you so much for for joining us. Thank
1: you for having me, man. I'm so excited to be on The Chiropractic Live.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, I'm uh, I'm really excited. First of all, though, for somebody listening at home, give themselves like a little bit of an overview about you, where you graduated, where you're from. Um,
1: yeah, very nice. So uh, I actually graduated from Park University back in December of 2020. Um, my first start into just chiropractic was very much like any other persons. They said like they had low back pain for a while in my master's program. Um, before I got to chiropractic school and uh, nothing helped. (laughs) Drugs didn't help, rehab didn't help, PT didn't help, no one helped until my mom was finally, hey, why don't you go to the chiropractor? At that point, I was in so much pain and taking so much meds that I was like, well, you know what? I guess if nothing else has helped, might as well just try this witch doctor, right? So I go to my local chiropractor. He actually was an old Palmer grad, very, very cool guy. Um, He just recently passed away his name was Dr. Madrid, Um, he puts me on, he lays me face down and he gets my mom over. He's like, hey, like, what do you think is going on here? I was like, I don't know, you tell me. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, look at the hips, look at his hips. And apparently my mom just like looked down and saw that my, like my right glute was almost an inch or two off, like elevated higher than the left one and uh, just off the table. And like I wasn't laying down properly, but I thought I was. You know, certain sensory motor, you know, responses. And uh, my mom was like, oh my gosh, his right side is all jacked up, you know? So he's like, yeah, so he's, he needs an adjustment. So sure enough, he got me in side posture and just put the dummy on me. I think it was, must have been like a PI or something. And uh, sure enough, like most of my pain actually left with that first adjustment, which is crazy to me. Um, and after, you know, after that, I thought it was really interesting. Like, chiropractic is really cool. I thought people should know about it more. And that wasn't entirely what convinced me to start school, but it started me to kind of pique my interest. And then um, and then after long-term chiropractic care, I started oh my gosh, you know what? This is actually really cool stuff. And a lot of other health conditions that I had was starting to get like resolved. So I thought that was amazing. And uh, yeah, a lot of the things that I, that I thought about when I was younger, you know, I didn't never like medicine growing up. I hated taking medicine. I always thought I was stupid because I was going to get better anyways. That's literally what I thought. I was like, I'm going to get better anyways. Like, why do I take medicine? So it was kind of funny. Like I already had that mindset. And then, you know, just being in school at first, it was it was really strange being in school because we were introduced. I don't know if you know, Dr. Eric Russell, Johnny, do you know him? He's amazing. And he uh, actually taught us at, uh philosophy in the first year of school. So it was really cool being at Parker and like listening to some of the philosophy. He actually taught us about the politics. He did, he did a very good job just generalizing, you know, about what chiropractic is, and what proper, you know, what proper chiropractic is, let's just say that. So just being in school that really opened up my eyes. The philosophy did, I started shadowing different, you know, principal chiros, and I just knew that there was something else, something to this. So just started just going ahead, just, I dove deep into the, into the Greek books after that. And yeah, it's been amazing. It's been a great, great, uh, <laughs> great start. Let's just say that because I just opened up my office about uh, last, Nove- last, last November. So yeah, it's been amazing. I've, I've been loving it.
0: And your office is? Oh, it's uh, the Volt
1: Chiropractic. We are just, we're in a little sleepy town called Lakeway just outside of Austin, about maybe 30 minutes west.
0: Oh, nice. And it's been going well? Yes.
1: It's been going well, man. It's been it's been a fun, fun ride. Let's just say that. There's a lot of things that I would say. (laughs) uh, I think the biggest thing I would tell people if they're wanting to have their own practice one day. Well, let's first start off. Just first realize like what is it that you want? Do you want to be a business owner? Because it takes it takes a lot to be a business owner. And truth be told, a lot of people don't want that, and that's okay. You know. So first off, do you want to be a business owner? If you don't, it's quite fine being an associate. You can still make a decent living and just be happy. Just going in, you're nine to five, you're still serving and loving people, right? So that's what I first asked people, if they actually want to be a business owner. Secondly, you gotta be ready to grind. You gotta be ready to work. You gotta be ready to think that you like, like there's a level of work that you think you have in your head. Now get that level and times it by a hundred. That's how much you have to work in order to get like started like from point one point a all the way to like you know you're seeing like you know enough patients to like make the bills and then also like start paying yourself right so that's that's something that people need to like understand and realize you know so i I would say that's the most important thing to know whenever you graduate
0: i think what you said there is like so true i think sometimes within the profession we not shame but there's this like whole idea that being an associate is bad And i think sometimes it could be a phenomenal thing for some people and there's definitely like some brilliant associateships out there that you're like do you know what it allows me to have a great lifestyle i get to serve lots of people and a hell of a lot less stress than than running your own place and often the the, there is a very steep learning curve and it's certainly something particularly with a couple of people actually at the moment that we're working with going through some some office and stuff procedures just a lot of stuff that you've as an associate, you aren't exposed to understanding what needs exactly. to be done, even the awareness that it should be done, let alone mm-hmm. how it should be done or why. So
1: exactly.
0: I think it's a, a big one.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy because I'm I'm very much a person that's like, I kind of like what Simon Sinek says, like start with your why, right? So like literally begin with what why is it that you want to do the things that you want to do. After that, once you like have that purpose, that mission, that why. Then everything else is just going to fall right into place, right? But you first have to really—it's. I think it was Socrates that said, like, you have to live and examine life, you know. So you have to do that. Otherwise, you are not going to go to the places that you think that you think that you think you might go, right? Because it's all just—it's all just out in the ether at this point. So
0: really think about it. And thinking hurts, but it's definitely, <laughs> it worth, definitely worth doing it for everyone. It does man. I suppose it's the sort of segue over to, to hopefully what we're going to go over today. How did you start getting interested in in the topic of the Wilk case and uh, and what sort of piqued your interest in in reading up a bit about it? Because I know that you're going to be presenting on it soon.
1: Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. So actually, the first time I heard about the Wilk case uh, against the AMA was back in try one, and literally like the first couple of days in school. And that's why I said Dr. Russell was so good because he he went over the principles and you know the very typical things in a philosophy class, but he also took it upon himself to really just kind of open up our eyes a little bit to some of the politics and chiropractic that are still present to this day. And it was very unbiased too. It wasn't like he was, you know, trying to tell us one thing or another. It was like he was just sharing information, which is the, the best way I absorb information. It's just like tell me the information and I'll and I'll judge it for myself, right? So he was very good about that. And I remember listening to the first the Murakubo trial that happened back in 1907 and that was amazing if you really thinking about that trial because i mean he was almost sent to jail because they were saying that he was practicing medicine you know and it was in wisconsin in 1907 and before then the uca the universal chiropractic association was just vital in providing legislation for a lot of these chiros and he was and that was instrumental that case was instrumental Murakubo trial, because that really set us apart as a separate and distinct profession like different from the chiropractor like different from the medical doctors from the do's the naturopath all of them because all of them had at that point just been destroyed by the ama so um and i think it was uh i think i forgot his name tom morris in that trial that just used that same outline he did with the Kubo trial that made him successful and just used it after that to help you know different chiros that were jailed or in violation of like whatever you know the medical establishment wanted to be in trouble for, but so he shared that information. I thought it was crazy, and then uh, he went into talking about the Will case, and oh my gosh, it's just so the Will case is just a testament to like you think about what is conspiracy, what is hiding, you know what it, like what are the politics actually saying? What's actually what do you think lobbying is, you know? And it's you really start to think about oh my gosh like if someone were to tell you hey this organization is secretly meeting they have secret notes secret meetings they're actually getting together not just you know one or two people getting together from you know said you know private clinic or private practice or private hospital there's legit committee leaders from the entire medical association coming together and they're saying they first made a committee in 1962, I believe it was, saying, hey, you know what, let's make a committee to just eliminate chiropractic, committee against chiropractic. That's what it was at first. That's what they're, they're going to name it, something like that. And then suddenly they're like, oh, no, 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 we can't be too forward with it because then we they know that they they would get in trouble if they get caught. So in 1963, by then, they had changed the committee against Quackery. you know, so it's like, it just in itself, like changing it to that, like the very, the, like putting yourself in, that, in, the, in your shoes at that point in time. Like thinking about this stuff is like, you think that you're making connections with medical doctors. You think that you're becoming more prominent in the actual landscape of health in the United States. And then you come to find out there's these things coming out. There's a book that comes out called, you know, in the public interest by William Trevor. And that first started kind of this, you know, opening the veil up to what the medical establishment was doing. So that really like resonated with me. And even then, like, I don't know if I share this with you, Johnny, but even then, like I wasn't fully, I still had a very mechanistic outlook, like mechanistic philosophy in try one all the way up until like maybe my first year in school. So it really took a lot of convincing and a lot of reading on my own to actually accept the philosophy, let's say that, change my perspective. But even then I thought it was insane that this that this was happening in and, and this was like trial one. I was like, how is this, how is this a thing? How is this this is how is this not one of the biggest things still here? Like like how are chiropractors not sharing this all the time, you know? And sure enough, like that's why I said history is so important because it's it's vital to remember like our roots and where we actually came from, you know. So yeah, that's what kind of started piquing my interest about it.
0: I think like, so it's so easy to forget, like in today's society where, um, you know, while I'm sure certain chiropractors in certain countries have been very different than, than maybe people in Europe or, or -hmm. yourself in the States, but like, even just this morning going back over, um, an amazing book by JC Smith on, you know, the medical war against chiropractic. Chiropractors, which I think every chiropractor should read. And I know that you're a fan of another one of the books on the topic, but mm-hmm. I, like I underlined, um he writes a stat of uh 12,000 chiropractors were jailed collectively yep. over 15,000 times in the first 13 years of the 20th century for practicing medicine. I mean, like, one, at the time, we're not even chatting that there's a huge amount of chiropractors out there. This is early mm-hmm. on. And these guys and women, which is often, we often forget that, which is yeah, we do. another topic for another time. But um, <laughs> these guys, these people really put everything on the line and were just so driven by chiropractic and the results that it could help within their community that even with this risk of going to jail and mm-hmm. some of these guys and girls spend, you know, this isn't just a slap on the wrists. They're in there no. for time. No, not at all.
1: It was, it's insane. You think, like, think of a guy like Herbert Ross Reaver, I think he had, I need to get a hold of his book. But apparently, like in his book, he was uh, writing about um, this incident where he was, they lived in a two story house. And I think his, this was back when like, you know, the whole house and clinic, you know, combo was very, very, you know, popular. And so there was a downstairs and the downstairs basically a clinic. And I remember, I think in the book, I who was telling them, they were quoting us, but like one of his sons, this is at, at the point, at this point in time, he was still in jail, he was jailed for like 11 years, and his son was coming down the stairs, and in the book, it was really emphasizing the fact that his son was going around, he was really missing his father, Uh, and he was like going around, like touching his equipment, just like really praying for him, loving on and just really missing him, but I remember it just hit me really hard when I first heard it, because he mentioned how, like, he, might, he he missed him so much, but he just knew that he was in support of his father's decision because he just would not say that he was practicing medicine. And it was just like, he, he loved his father's conviction. It was just like, dude, what? That's mind blowing. Like who, and that's a, he's not just the only one, there was thousands upon thousands of men and women That were literally jailed for that belief that conviction so it really it's like we have it i mean i love chiropractic i am so dedicated to it but i don't even know if someone were to come into my office i I mean i would hope i would have that same conviction you know but it's crazy like we have it cushy we really do so we really have to pay our respects to some of these giants
0: and also exactly like you finished on the reason that we have it the way that we do is because of the sacrifices that that these guys gave up and i think it probably is a great way to just chat about um like overall an introduction of how the case came about and particularly the the you know the main four figures that really drove this this sort of process that happened Certainly. over a long long time so would you mind sharing a bit about that yeah
1: 100% so in 1962 in 1962 um the, I essentially was the AMA through the, well, it was the Iowa Medical Society that connected and through the AMA, the AMA was formed back in 1827. And there's really crazy roots with the AMA, the Rockefellers, Carnegie, a lot of dirty money. Let's just say it really goes down, down the rabbit hole if you really start to look at it. But essentially at this point in time in the 60s, uh, chiropractic is getting a ton of traction, a ton of traction. They're starting to get legislation in most of the states. I think it was by 1970. I think it was Louisiana that gained the last um, uh, licensure. I think it was in 74. So you can imagine by this point in time, they were getting a lot of traction, and it was actually patients with all these different cases that were coming about saying they need chiropractic care. So one of the things that they were first, you know, coming out, especially with the healthcare system that's in the the states, is uh, they wanted it to be covered by medical insurance, right, or by health insurance of some kind. And again, this is kind of prominent and something I need to share with the with the audience, because I think it's it's still an issue to this day. I think a lot of people worry about like, oh, if you're cash, you know, you're principal, if you're, you know, insurance based, you're not principal, you know, there's medicine, yada, yada, yada. Here's the thing. aside from all of that, let's worry about like just the context of this, like there's like the very context is there's there are patients out there that were literally like wanting to figure out a way to pay for chiropractic care. Which is amazing so aside from like you know like how do you get paid and all that is it is it medical dollars is it not like i think that's the biggest thing to really focus on is like patients were coming forth and saying i need to get care how do i get care whatever way possible right so i think that's important um so i started coming about and then obviously this if you're the medical establishment at this point in time you're like this is about the golden age of you know medicine where. Like right now we have emerging technologies and people you know they're like oh they 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 love medicine right let's not talk about the last two or three years right uh that's been coming out but really put yourself in the sh- in, in the shoes of like people at this point in time you probably have never ever heard a chiropractic people to this day probably still happen but you hear about someone going to some guy in with a one room with one one table and they have kind of like the story of uh, J. Clay Thompson. J. Clay Thompson was literally dying of diabetes, right? He's one of the giants of the profession. Dying of diabetes has, was a, he had some pharmaceutical roots, you know, he had tried it all essentially, right? We tried it all. And then you go and then you lie face down and a guy comes in, he looks at your spine, he does x-rays, right? He sees exactly where the vertebral subluxation is. He doesn't look at anything else, doesn't ask you about your history, about your symptoms, nothing, right? He adjusts you. And then after a short amount of time, you get better, right? So this is what the, like, people understand, like, medical establishment, they know that. They see that. They see the miracles of chiropractic through these patients and their testimonials, and they actually took it seriously, you know. So they did it to, to a point where, in 1962, they formed uh, the committee on, uh, it was actually, the, at first, it was actually the committee, like, against chiropractic in 1962, and they had, and then they later changed it because they thought that if they got in trouble, they would make connections back to them, so they wouldn't want to get in trouble, so they changed it to the Committee on Quackery in 1963. But uh, one of the f- several points that they, they were trying to make uh, was, and I'm going off this awesome book that everyone should definitely read, Medicine, Monopolies, and Malice by Chester Wilk, the man himself, right? Uh, but here's also, some-
0: by the way, reading up on this, this guy wrote a couple of books.
1: He wrote a couple of books. I didn't need to read his other books. Yeah, there's like there, the the thing is like you need to actually like go out there and search the information. But it's out there. Like there's yeah. books, there's documents. I'm literally like going like this is like all just different commentaries and works that I found. Like there's out, so there.
0: much online out there to read. There's
1: a ton of stuff. So and just sorry, like,
0: I, I cut you off. So in this no no point, you're
1: good you're good yeah if you guys want to get like involved in this stuff like tell them to reach out to me I'll try and point them in the right direction. But there's a lot you. of information out there. Yeah, so actually, funny enough, this book was found in at Parker, in one of Parker's, uh, different, there's political climates kind of changed there, but at the time, I found it in like, a, the library was getting rid of a bunch of these books. And I go over and I was like, hey, is this for like anyone? Because I love books. And they, I was like, yeah, I mean, no one ever reads them, you know, yeah, you can take a couple. So I think I ended up taking like five or six of them. And I gave a few out to some people. And I remember there was one person I gave it to and they had known about the Wilt case and I think had read the book and they're like, Oh yeah, this is a great book. Like you should definitely read it. It's not until like this day I actually opened up and read it and it's like, Oh my gosh, what was I doing? It was incredible. But yeah, it was, it was kind of funny how I found the book, <laughs> but uh, oh, back to the the points. So AMA made several points in the committee and here's where it gets kind of crazy. The first one is that the AMA had uh, One of the things that they found in the case, let's say, that uh, their very first goal was to just contain and eliminate not anything else, not another profession, but chiropractic. Literally saying in different statements and documents saying, this is going to be in order to contain and eliminate chiropractic in its entirety, our profession, which is already like, okay, you're in the forefront, you're, you're, like, you're the guys, you're the people, like, they'd recognize your profession and our power, Right. Um, another thing that they had realized in the in the committee was that the AMA had cooperated and had worked together and just named different, like uh, uh, let's say, different chiropractic entities and associations, and they essentially were trying to isolate chiropractors from those entities, and they really just wanted to dispel and just create more separation, and within the chiropractic profession. And again, this is something that still to this day. Like st- still happens, right? Because there's different organizations that that shall not be named, <laughs> but there's different organizations in this profession that still do infighting because of the remnants of this case, right? It's crazy. So it's just so, and they, and at this point, they the 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 AMA was encouraging that separation, right?
0: And also encouraging um, medical societies, boards, and associations that is mm-hmm. almost unethical to associate mm-hmm. yourself in any one form that- with a chiropractor. Yep,
1: exactly. And that's actually the other point I was going to make. It was uh, if, if you ever were even caught associating in some way, like let's say that you wanted to, there was a chiropractor and they needed x-rays. Actually in this book, there's several stories about chiropractors needing x-rays because they didn't have an x-ray machine in their, in their office and they would have to send their patients out to hospitals. And at one point, these hospital administrators and doctors that had worked closely with chiropractors for years, got sent home, you know, they were fired and they lost all of their livelihood, essentially, because they were caught working with chiropractors, which is crazy, you know, but um, again, it it goes back to medical dollars. There's a lot of stories and a lot of history behind uh, the AMA and the Flexner report and how, you know, there was just, that really began the standardization of medicine. And uh, and because of that same thing, we still suffer from those ramifications from like 100 plus years ago, which is crazy. Um, the other thing that they were trying to do was just like wrongly influence insurance companies. Again, uh, just to deny the chiropractic coverage, chiropractors were fighting for that healthcare coverage rights. And again, this goes back to my whole point. It's like, uh, let's look at it from the chiropractic stance and from the patient stance. You have money and this is how healthcare for whatever reason, is run in the United states. So you really like by getting the the access to healthcare, you can actually help change, help people, serve people as most you can, and patients actually get some of the health that they need, even if it's not you know the by the means that we wish it were through. Right, but yeah, that was uh, incredible. And again, just like the 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 last thing I was gonna say is just like propaganda, the propaganda that was like they literally would get together and it was uh, i believe it was doyle taylor who was a uh, uh, one of the ghostwriters for a ton of the propaganda that the ama would push and as ghostwriter it's like literally like no one no one knew his his the name the source exactly but literally they would get together and uh, doyle taylor is one of the, the guys in the in, through the committee itself that they used to just, he would write in, you know, it's like, hey, you know, that chiropractors kill people, you know, they cause strokes. That was the very first one. Right, that was something that we were still battling to this day, right? But he was one of the first proponents of that, and sending it out to not just, you know, not just, not just lobbying and sending that information out to like Congress, which is insane, but literally like to the White House. We're talking like, like there's people in the White House that were getting these pamphlets and this information from from the medical establishment. Saying that chiropractors, they're they're a bunch of quacks, they're cultists, right? They want, they get killed people with their adjustments, right? And there's like, none of their stuff is effective, right? And they were sharing that stuff, not just with them, but with like high schoolers, different organizations that were educational, that were educational organizations and pumping it out. So by the 60s, like the mid 60s, people were starting to realize and kind of like chiropractors going around saying, oh my gosh, like, what's with all this? You know, at first we were like, people were, you know, accepting of us. And all of a sudden, like in books and different, you know, pamphlets everywhere else, people are starting to be really terrified of us. Like what's, also, what's also
0: like in the bits that I read uh, read up on it, there's, and I don't want to misquote it, but I think under testimony, uh, a lady comes forward, I forget her name and she's involved in writing a health column for like thousands of different newspapers. Yep. And she admits that she's being pumped information by this this board on quackery to basically write into newspapers in these sort of yes. health columns that then yes. sort of fans this fire that, that well, the sparks that have already been put down by the by this board and try and make it more mm-hmm. of like a public acceptance that, you know, the quack, the cult, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like you said, it's almost something that still follows it around today. Yeah. And also, weirdly, something that, You even still hear of within the profession to slay off another side of the profession, you know. Yes,
1: 100%, exactly, and that's that's why I say like again, like why history is so important because you start to realize in reality things they may have changed with some of the things that happen through the will case, which are pros and cons. But one of the biggest cons is this that we still have this infighting and that. You know, there's organizations that literally like you can't you can't put their political leaders in in in, in a room together because they hate each other, yeah. right? But uh, again, like people don't understand if the the AMA was literally paying for different uh, surveys to be done, different studies to be done, right? And I don't know about you, but in my uh, I don't know how much research you've done, Johnny, but uh, I had the the pleasure, thank God, to actually you know do some research myself. Back when I was in my master's program, and uh, and man, like if you really like dive into how like where like science, let's just say science follows like the money, one hundred percent. And sadly, like people people may not want to hear that they don't they want to hear ethics, they want to hear that everything's standardized. But in a way, it's actually not, and things do not change very much. So the hottest topic in in, uh, in science, as far as uh, therapeutics right now is cancer. Cancer and then use from heart disease. You look up what are the like what are the highest diseases like people actually die of in the states is like and that's cancer and heart disease right so obviously most of the most of the science is going to go towards that. So people like people don't realize like there's a lot of people like there's a lot of money being thrown around there's a lot of lobbying like uh, being thrown around um and again this goes like so kind of going back to this, so like in the ACA, right, simple example, not to demean their organization or anything, but in the ACA back during these days, when Chester Wilk was trying to come around, so the very, so this wasn't the first book that came out, obviously, Medicine, Monopolies, and Malice, you know, the first one was, uh, at least that I know of, that kind of started to open the veil to some of these things that the medical establishment was doing, was in the public interest by William Trevor, and in that book, I haven't read it personally yet, but it was, From Chester Wilk, who spoke about it. He said it was a very biased take, but it was very in the middle towards like some of the things that the medical establishment was doing and recorded some documents. Uh, There were some connections between like the committee of quackery and some of the things that were being said, which is really good. Some of the stuff was also very biased towards chiropractors in itself. So it wasn't the best book, but it started to kind of pique the people's interests um but again it was they were sharing these this book and this information at different organizational events like at the aca events at ica events and it wasn't getting a ton of traction it was getting actually got more attention from the medical establishment because it was it had come out that you know they were doing this thing so before the trial even began they were like okay we got to stop this committee on quackery slash chiropractic so they actually dissolved the committee and they tried to you know get rid of all this evidence and stuff that turned it that they did as much as they could, but it didn't turn out well, let's say, uh, for them. But um, just to say the least, like it, there, was, there was already lawyers in like the ACA, like uh, Harry, Harry Rosenfield, one of the lawyers for the ACA, uh, literally was was like heard all the things about the AMA, like read the books, looked at the documents, and every time Chester Wilk and the NCAC would come around to try and convince the ACA to endorse their the trial to try and endorse their their lawyers they're like no this isn't going to happen like we want good relations with the medical establishment right we want good relations with the medical doctor down the street that will pass surely they're good people right and and so they were they were against it like chiropractors were our own were our own worst enemy at this point you know so it was it was crazy and again like i have nothing against medicine in itself you know there's a lot of amazing medical practitioners out there that really do care, they love, they serve their patients, but they're working through their, their their issue is they're working through the wrong paradigm, right? They're working through a paradigm, a philosophy that's based on, you know, sickness and disease from outside in, which is amazing if you sever your femoral artery, right? And you need to go to the emergency room, or if you know, if you have a car crash, right? That's amazing for that. But you know, it's great for urgent care. But anything, you know, that is about preserving the body is about. You know, turning the body on is about actually health from the inside out that's us and that's our domain and that's what health actually is so yeah it was it's very interesting to see like just the immense power that the medical establishment had and they were worried about us because they they knew the guys at the top knew this stuff they knew that chiropractic was good for 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 life
0: and then so wilkes and i think it's important now that we when people have heard about this and unfortunately. You know rest in power chester wilk himself you know unfortunately left left us recently um so he kind of gathers up a a merry band of of men and women so you have chester wilkes got james bryden patricia Mm. arthur and michael pedigo i think is how you pronounce it these guys kind of together really push forward with the fact that this needs to be challenged
1: yes 100%. 100%. And then also, like, not just them, but just the funding in itself. I mean, you have a commission, like a, a whole committee where they're all, where they get together, these guys were not pushovers, like Chester Wilk, as much as I love him, like, he was honestly, the guy that was probably the least in the totem pole, like the lowest in the totem pole amongst these like giants in the profession, like you're talking about guys that were like from around the country who were seeing a ton of patients serving the most giving the most back to their organizations. So these guys were like heavy heavy hitters and that they were willing to take you know take all the risks in order to because they just were fighting for this they knew that it was important right especially when they realized how how detrimental it was for the profession right so that was really cool and then also uh like like these guys going around again like talk about what you say like whatever you say about you know jim parker like parker seminars literally like presenting so they so, the NCAC first did was like when but they just,
0: had- just for clarif- clarification, oh, go ahead. For people li- listening, just explain the NCAC just so that mm-hmm. people are aware of what that is. Yeah. So, the watched.
1: NCAC was uh, this formation of different Kairos uh, that um, uh, the affirmation Kairos that you just mentioned that they all got together along with Chester Wilk and they had realized, you know, okay, there's this, there's something going on here, right? They share the information with each other. They understood that there had to be something that needed to be done. So uh, the NCAC actually stands for, I think, the National Chiropractic Antitrust right? committee. Uh, yeah. that committee. So they knew that in the end, they would have to do an antitrust uh, lawsuit against the AMA. That means they would have to go up to a federal court. So um, in this case, I mean, if you're battling the AMA, you need funding and you need support from a chiropractic profession that, does not want the heat at this point, right? Because of just where we were in history, and already the amount of propaganda that we've been do that we had endured at, up to that point in time. So, um, like I said, uh, these guys were getting. They, once they got together and formed back in, I think it was '74. After that, they, uh, you know, were going around these different like ICA ACA uh, events, trying to just rally support and funding. And, uh, just, and just get someone endorsed. Like the biggest thing was like endorsing their, uh, endorsing their, the, the lawyer for the trial in itself. And that was a whole issue amongst itself too. So, um, yeah, there was a, there was a, there was a lot of, uh, let's just say a lot of, uh, you know, trying to coerce a lot of people to try and, you know, help them out in this case, because honestly it was, it, it was like, say you're a chiropractor at that point in time right? You understand the power of the medical establishment, right? You know that, you know, that you're like, we're still, we're still not a cultural authority, right? But back then it was even more so. And then you've come to find out these guys are coming around saying, Hey, by the way, you know, we found all these documents and stuff. And uh, you like, if you support us, if you give us money and you just are with us, then, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna take them down. Right. First off, you're probably, if you're a normal guy, gonna think, okay, maybe they're right. Maybe they're not right. So already you have to figure out if they're actually telling you the truth or not. Secondly, you have to be so passionate to want to look into this. one and then two, actually want to support it in itself. You're literally going up against a sleeping giant, the medical establishment. there's never they've destroyed, they had this point they had destroyed homeopathy. They had absorbed osteopathy. They destroyed they had absorbed acupuncture. They had destroyed any other like natural therapies at that point in time. So, you're the chiropractor going up against uh, this, this, this Goliath. Right. And yet to imagine, like, obviously there were so many people that were afraid and the very first thing that people do when they're afraid is they actually, you know, they come back and they recoil and they want to stop like these leaders from actually going forward. So, like I said, like Harry Rosenfield, he was, you know, a lawyer, the main lawyer for ACA, and he was on multiple occasions, had had advised the entire ACA Council, do not take, do not endorse this trial at all. You know, it's gonna be a detriment to us, you know, that at that point, they're still trying to get, you know, healthcare uh, uh, coverage for um, for the profession. At this point, some of the schools still did not have accreditation, so they weren't getting uh, federal loan funding, right? So they were afraid that if if this were to go kaput, Everything else would go would go you know south after that, you know so it was very important for them to analyze this well so you could have to get in their minds because I feel like a lot of us would think that oh like if they were in the middle of it like right now oh yeah I'd totally fight you know it's like I I mean I I hope you would right but I think a lot of people would be scared and probably would not put up a fight
0: and also not even just the initial first step of like this is something that I need to stick up for like these guys had sticking power because. I mean, I think it's like 1976, they first start the process. Yes. And then, it, you know, effectively, it, it's not really until 87 ish, you're yeah. probably better with dates, that, that we yeah. get a resolution of it. Yeah. So, as like a, like one, not only did they organize themselves and give up, you know, stand for what they believed in, but the mm-hmm. sticking power for all of those years. Yes. to like really keep going away when this time energy you Mm -hmm. know the effect it must have had on some of their families you know like this is no small I mean like to have for those that don't know this is a case of two trials where first of all there's a verdict that comes through and then it gets appealed Mm -hmm. and you know then a second case with some slightly technical changes going in there which as the legal stuff isn't really my area of expertise i think it's best people read about you know how it changed but like these guys stuck at it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah to have the the kind of determination the perseverance to actually like you said like to to stick through it like the first time that verdict came through and they said that the ama was not at fault i mean that is devastating devastating and to the point where like to have the kind of i guess the fortitude to say no To know that you're in the right, but to still keep at it, that's what is mind-blowing to me. And you're right, it took 11 years. So from the beginning of the trial, from 1976 all the way into the very end, which is 1987, when the judge, uh, I think it was uh, Suzanne Kitsender or something like that, I think that's her her last name. She's the one that, you know, finally, it was, even even that trial, if you look into some of the specifics of the trial, it's very interesting. Like, the fact that it was, uh, again, talking about the females in chiropractic, it's like, it was, it, was a, it was a female judge that, you know, actually had some empathy, you know, for for this and did not fall for some of the tactics that had already been used in the past. And, and even like how the medical establishment and their lawyers were using uh, like the Parker seminars, like in itself to just take that out of context and try to really make us look like we're awful people that just want people's money. You know, that we're just a bunch of witch doctors that want people's, people's money, but that's what they were taking out of context. so like some of the specifics of the trial was just very interesting and fascinating. But again, um, yeah, it's, people understand like the kind of propaganda that you're up against. You really don't, unless you, like you really start to look at it. And like, I I wrote down like a note for myself here. Like one of the things that, so very easy, very easy to sway like an entire culture, an entire society. But one thing about a lie, right? the 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 most important thing about a lie, if you're gonna be if you're gonna make a lie, you better make it as outrageous, as crazy, as astronomical as possible. Why? Because in our minds, and this is where the life, this is where the signs of life kind of is not to our benefit. But we tend to adapt, right? We adapt to something, and we adapt to the biggest lie that's out there. So, if the biggest lie out there that the AMA could propagate is uh, chiropractors are a bunch of quacks. They're cultists. They do not do anything. And that's the most outrageous lie. And that they kill you, that's the most outrageous lie. Guess what? In your mind, you're going to slightly at a small percentage believe a little bit of it. You're gonna, you're gonna dis, you're gonna probably get like if if you're a normal person, you're gonna say, okay, maybe, maybe not. Okay. But even if you're like get rid of like 90% of it, oh, there's no way. Like they, they kind of help, right? there's still that t- tiny, like 10% that already is in your mind and impregnates these thoughts, right? And that's all you need. That's really all you need. So, and that was what's going on. That's what's going on.
0: I, I, like, really, with the more you read about it, I, I think there is, I've personally found this so interesting, just diving into to a book, which I'll make sure I, I share on our Instagram or Facebook so that, that people that are interested can read. But I personally, one of the things I found bizarrely interesting is the story of Operation Sore Throat and how oh. some of this information from that sort of starts getting leaked out from the AMA, mm-hmm. the origins of that and how it's slightly tied in with Scientology, which I, I find is this like really bizarre, interesting link. Can you share yeah. like you share a bit on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, uh, Operation Sore Throat. So, um, this and again, this is like weird. This is like as 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 conspiratorial as it gets, but this is actual fact. Um uh the the man, there was a guy named they call him a sore throat, again, how he got his name, apparently he had a raspy throat, but the, the guy himself was one of the, the guys that started leaking this information from the AMA to the chiropractic profession. And uh, I believe it actually started with the first book uh in the public interest. I think that's where some of the information I already like that sore throat. This sore throat character was actually already sharing with some of the, the some of the uh, the leaders and some of the organizations of chiropractic, and um, because at this point in time Chester Wilk still was not involved, still had not picked up. He was he was uh, starting to kind of make his own decisions and and uh, about you know the AMA and he started to kind of look into himself, Chester Wilk, but this was you know without the without in the public interest in mind. But as he was, you know, sort of looking into it more and he started to kind of gain some more traction, momentum behind this movement that might happen in this trial, he, this sword throat character gets a hold of him and he starts to, you know, feed him more information, right? And even in himself, like this, it it was so strange. It was so like, again, conspiratorial to the point where we don't know the guy's name. We don't know the guy's age. We don't know where he came from. We know that he was, uh, he 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 must have known or had connections with some of the leaders in the medical establishment. We do know that because some of the stuff that he revealed to Chester Wilk and even uh, people prior was just like you would not have known unless you were in the committee meetings yourself. Right. You're either some sort of like either not maybe not a leader, but perhaps like some sort of intern or something. And, And somehow you got a hold of it. Maybe you're part of the press. Who knows? No one knows who the guy was. And then once he had shared the information that Chester Wilk and Chester Wilk was like, okay, like from like, they, they, they went back and forth for months trying to get something, you know, how to trying to rouse, you know, the chiropractic profession to do something. And they literally had to go up to like Jim Parker, discuss these things, presented at a Parker seminars where, you know, at, back then, like right now, the Parker seminars are still very popular. Back then it was huge, huge, huge. This is back when Jim Parker was, you know, rolling around, still cigars, you know, just having fun talking about, you know, Thurman and Fleet and stuff and just you know helping people out. It's amazing, it's incredible. Back when he was still rolling in the dough. And you know, having this Parker seminars and and literally Chester Wilk had like Jim Parker allotted him time to present everything that he had said, right? And he thought that people were just gonna, after after the information that he posted about you know what the medical assassin was doing the propaganda. The documents they get information on, and you know he had he he had the substance. This is when he just he wasn't just making things up. And afterwards, sort and 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 during and what's crazier is like during this time when the information is being presented to like two thousand plus chiropractors at a Parker seminars, uh, sore throat was on the other line listening to what was going on because he wanted to make sure. And also I think he also added information too, like during the meeting I think, and uh, and. And he and the it left the crowd stunned, just stunned. And he like Wilk thought that was gonna like make it, that was like he was gonna rouse support and that was gonna be it. And that was gonna be, you know, pinnacle and that just pivotal for their movement. And sure enough, nothing happened. Nothing came about it. Actually, there was more chiropractors that spoke against it and wanted him to just get rid of the evidence or something, just not go forward with it. And after sore throat had just like listened on the other line to all this like commotion to all this you know, people just not in support of it and just not aroused by it. He actually, you know, stopped communicating with them. And he, they, they never found out who he was. Never, ever found out who he was. Not even, not even after the trial was like, no one, no one knew who he was, no connections with the guy. It was incredible. It's insane.
0: I also think, well, I'm not think from what I've read, the uh, Jerry McAndrews as well was another DC that was going around to um different seminars to try and, gain some sort of traction in the, in the profession yeah. for them to do something. And then um, his brother, I believe, ends up being George McAndrews, who's yes. the main lawyer for, for the case. So yeah. I mean, we've had a great like back and forth there. But just within like a couple of in a couple of minutes. Explain how it kind of comes to an end and, and how these things resolve and what was like the actual result of of these two trials and how it ended and and what was the implications of, of what the, what the judge said, basically.
1: Sure. So to kind of summarize the first trial, um, it was, it was a train wreck. Uh, it was not good. There was a lot of people that were that, uh, like, uh, I think it was his, I forget forget his first name, but uh, something Slater, he was a, he was an antitrust specialist up in, uh, I think it was, uh, Northwest university. Uh, and he was, uh, he was one of like the counsels for the, uh, for the Wilk case in the first trial and even, and, and like it, the entire jury was, let's just say they were very medically inclined to the point where, I mean, the, the Wilk and there are a bunch of other people that were, you know, graduates of these schools were literally offering the jury to come to chiropractic and to come to chiropractic schools and just look at our programs, look at how we do things, look at our science, our philosophy, because if you're a jury member at this point in time, you have no idea what chiropractic is probably, you know, you know what medicine is, you know, when you hear like the AMA lorries coming in and just the simple, simple questions of like, hey, why do you, why does someone have to come in and get treated by you for the rest of their lives? You know, why is that, you know? It's like, hey, by the way, like, is there? and Parker Seminars came out too, in that point in time and said, hey, like Jim Parker was kind of sharing these like weird things and like these business tactics, like, do you guys all do that? You know, it's just like these little, like, underhanded things where we take they would take something out of context, and that's what that's all the jury would hear, right? So they already have like a bias in their minds, and that just helps support their bias. So the whole first trial just ended poorly, and they still had hopes that the first trial would end with them, like you know, winning, and that they would win the antitrust lawsuit, um, and and it would uh, you know, everything would be great from then. But yet, the biggest thing that they were fighting for was obviously like to stop the propaganda, to stop um, uh, the containment elimination of our profession, right? But the biggest thing was like, well, it was was a couple of things. The first one was just like having healthcare access for just like patients to have healthcare access of some some kind for chiropractic care. That's the first one. And again, pros and cons behind that. The second one is uh, uh, just to have regained relationships again, For like with the medical establishment, because all in all, like I said before, there's good doctors, there's bad doctors, there's good dentists, there's bad dentists, there's good chiros, there's bad chiros, so it doesn't matter, but the first thing is like there's good, there was good medical doctors out there that were in, that were for the ice, that there were for the, uh, the will case, they were on their side, and they were saying all, and they were dispelling all the things that they were told by the AMA they're told by their superiors to not have relations with the chiropractors right so that was those are the first like i would say the most important things that they wanted to achieve from the from the two trials the second trial (laughs) went better obviously we won the trial back in in 1987 but uh again the specifics of the trial when they were come out it was uh you can tell that the first trial it was very much like it was very rocky it was very back and forth and There was more information on the first trial than there was like a second trial because the second trial at that point because they because they lost the first trial they had to appeal that trial and go to you know the like they were still in the federal court but they had to appeal it and it took a long time so it gave them a lot more time to gather evidence but at this point in time they couldn't just say hey the medical assassin is coming in we have information there's you know there's we have documents to support like what we're saying now you have to be more strategic and you have to really analyze and say, and find specific, you know, chiropractors, doctors that were affected by the medical establishment itself. So, uh, trying to rouse support. So, in that trial, a lot of that came out. A lot of medical doctors came forth. A lot of patients came forth that that cases and presented their information during the trial. And it wasn't until like, again, even even with all that support, even with all the information we had. Uh, we still had to rely a lot on uh, Miss uh, uh, this judge Suzanne. I think it's the last name. Get, yeah, Ginsingers. Get Z- Danner, Sorry, can't pronounce her last name. But she was amazing because there's it's a female United States just, just you, female United States district judge, right? And she's like she's she's the only female like in you know and all this like political atmosphere that's you know in charge of me, making these decisions. And it really took like uh, a lot of empathy on her part to really try and, and get to like uh, just our perspective of what's going on. And once she saw some of the dirty dealings that the AMA had been doing, that the lawyers had been trying to play, I mean, she just she just knew she just recognized that this was the right thing to do to you know to let this case you know <laughs> uh, go in favor of the chiropractors. So. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very, it was very interesting to see like how, like the mindset of the actual judge throughout the case. Um, But yeah, after they won the case in 1987, there was still, there's still, even up to this day, there's a lot of things that had to, that, that have been changing, but still haven't changed as far as like, you know, there is no, you know, AMA still trying to, you know, purposely go for you that we know of. Uh, But they had to dispel a lot of the things they had to the AMA had to pay up a lot towards a lot of different chiropractic organizations because of the propaganda that they had put out. Um, yeah, and after, and this really helped like project, uh, kind of uh, propel the chiropractic schools as well too, and get some of the federal, the funding that they needed in their schools. And yeah, it was just, it was it was a humongous win, but in a lot of ways, there's still a lot of like ramifications that we're still dealing with from the case itself. Um, I mean, it was up until I mean, they had heard about you know chiropractors still getting in trouble and violating you know violating you know uh, different uh, practices and stuff and ethics uh, up until like the late 90s for some of this stuff. So it's not like you know you won the case and everyone's like you know it's all it's all hunky dory. You know it's it took a long long time for it to be you know recognized and it took a lot of propaganda to for the AMA to convince all of their practitioners. So it took just as much if not more. Uh, good information to convince you know these medical doctors that okay chiropractors really aren't that bad we're just lying to you you know so it was it's 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 pretty crazy when you really think about it
0: is i mean it's just a super interesting is interesting part of chiropractic history i and mm-hmm. kind of like we've chatted about it's it's interesting how um some of those things are Certainly something that probably in some places we're still dealing with, this this idea of it being a cult. yeah the 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 quack, the unscientific, all of these things have still sort of been a hangover. Um, yep. but hopefully for, for people that have been listening, maybe we've well not maybe we've definitely given a good bit of information, but where would you point them if they were saying wanting to read up some more about this?
1: One hundred percent. yeah. Uh, there's a couple of books. I'd recommend, uh, starting with Chester Wilkes book, uh, just medicine, monopolies and malice. Um, how the medical establishment tried to destroy chiropractic in the U.S. I think that's a very good, the book in itself is, uh, obviously there's (laughs) some, uh, personal rhetoric in there, which is honestly, it's really good. Like I thought the book was very, very well written. Uh, and I think it, it does a good job of, you know, kind of presenting both sides, I'd say. Obviously it's more biased towards chiropractic, but um, he references a lot of studies. There's a lot of documents that he references as well uh, for everything he says. So I think it's uh, definitely a, a good starter book. Um, another book that I've been reading as of now, I don't know if you've heard of this one. I'm sure you have since you're a bookworm, but uh, and this is like a more general approach, but it's it's by Dr. Mike Carberry.
0: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't got into this, but you're the second person or something recently to have mentioned this. Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: Dude, it's, it's a it's an incredible book, I recommend it. It's a, it's called the death of American healthcare. And it's by a chiropractor. So it's Dr. Mike Carberry. But in the book, he actually I'm, I'm, I'm I'm uh, dissecting a lot of the information that I read from the book. But he goes into some of the um some of the deeper, like say rabbit holes of the medical establishment. And says some things about the the trial in itself but um if you really want to more you want to know more about the, the background of the medical establishment if you really want to you know, understand some of the, like the, the extensions that it has i highly recommend that book um and if you want to more like know more about the wilt case in itself there's def, there's a there's separate uh articles that you can literally just look up online this one's from the American Medical Association Journal of Ethics and it's literally called History of Medicine Chiropractic's Fight for Survival so if you want I can send you these, these links nice. Nice. so you can like this is like an entire paper just on the subject and this is a huge one that I'm actually dissecting for a future talk but again this is actually by where is it uh, this is by uh, oh the Journal of Chiropractic Education so you can literally go to their site find them and it's like this much information just on the trial itself and some of the background towards it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing, man. There's a lot of information out there, um, and like I said before, like information, uh, actually it's in the I, uh, I think it was in the five one itself. It says uh, you know, knowledge is the beginning of like wisdom or something like that. Essentially, like if like the more information you have, information is like it's it's it, it's whether good or bad. It's something, right? And you could probably use it for something, right? But I think a lot of people, like I think we were talking about before the podcast even started, we do not want to think. We have such trouble like thinking. We don't want to put work into thinking in itself. We just want to know, you know, where is the money coming from? Want to know how we're going to serve and love our patients each day. Want to know how to be the best practitioner possible all amazing good things. But you have to know a little bit about your history to really appreciate, really understand. And this honestly, like some of the ramifications that we're dealing with to this day in chiropractic, you know, evidence based versus, you know, evidence in form versus, you know, principled versus who I don't, I don't care, whatever label you want to call it. These those ramifications are here because of the will case and because of our, you know, prior history. So diving deep into that, into our history you're going to start to realize we actually have more in common than you might think it's just trying to get some people to wake up to that fact and hopefully our future is a lot more about unity than it is about you know separate more distinct you know organizations so i really hope that that's the case and it's definitely one of my missions in the in the profession is to try and you know push that so
0: definitely so you uh you'll be presenting this is it for the doubts?
1: Yes, so uh, yeah, I'm actually a part of the ground council for the Delta Sigma Chi professional fraternity. Uh, we care a lot about you know legislation. We care a lot about you know uh, it's a professional fraternity. We just really care about our profession. We just really want to be involved in state legislature and national legislature. Um, I'm sure you know that you know the Scott the Scottish uh, chiropractic school just got a delta to be a president. Uh, our own Ankur Tayal, who was actually prior president of our organization, so. We are we're we're very involved. We love it, and yeah, I'll be I'll be presenting a lot of this information. Also, just doing some very um, uh, very key stories on delts that were you know jailed, and uh, yeah, because some of the stories behind behind that are just fascinating and they're incredible. Uh, Herbert Ross Reaver himself was a was a delt, and yeah. Brother Jailbert, that's what he was called. He was called Brother Jailbert because he was a, I he mean he jailed so much.
0: <laughs> I'm sure for for um for some people listening, they probably have a uh I, I suppose not a huge amount of context on the delts, but if uh you look through history, the influence of of both the delts and <laughs> and the psoriasis, which I forget the, the sorority so by yeah. being english Soror- we don't have any of this <laughs> stuff which it's, is there's har-
1: proper right so it's like so i should be listening to you
0: yeah properly. well i don't know if there's a but i mean the influence that both those organizations have had in, in chiropractic has been huge and yes uh, so, it, it continues to be and i'm sure those those dealt brothers that get presented this information will will really uh they'll learn something and i Love to be a fly on the wall in that conversation.
1: (laughs) Well, we're going to try our best to get it recorded. Uh, As of previous years, we're trying to make it more of a seminar series as well. So we really want to get some of these talks recorded because there's people I'm sure, you know, you know, Skylar Gemmer. He did a, he, he, his wife, Do you know, his wife. Yeah, she did an amazing talk last year just on like how we as adults can get better uh, connected with some of the political atmosphere And she was talking about some of the things that she's been done that she's done herself and that woman is incredible like like you said before, like the women of chiropractic. They are like they're they're insane they're amazing like we need to have more and more passionate ladies out there, just like we need more and more passionate guys out there on just principles chiropractic but. like some of the stuff that she had highlighted to us and how to get involved. And it's just like very much like a what are you guys waiting for? Just do it kind of message. Those like,
0: two are big action people. Amazing! It's, it's amazing. Man. So
1: get involved. There's so many things out there. Whether you like it or not, politics is very, very much ingrained in how you end up practicing what your policies are, what your philosophy is, what your lexicon is. So um, you have to be in support of some of these things. Otherwise, you do not you do not have a foot at the table.
0: So for those that um, I'm sure there'll be people that want to reach out, I'm sure we'll tag you, but what's the best way if somebody wants to, to get in touch with you?
1: Sure. Uh, You can either email me. I have a, it's info at thevoltchiropractic.com. That's my, that's my office name, the Volt Chiropractic. Uh, Shoot me any email you'd like from there. Um, I'm available on all the, all the social media sites. So you can, you know, Facebook message me if you'd like just Ricardo Flores, or uh, you can, uh, Instagram direct message me too just you can either follow our you know follow, follow our uh, office page on on there on Instagram I'm not I'm not a huge like tech guy I hope you understand that so but yeah you can follow us on like uh, Instagram and just send us like a message direct message to like to our clinic the more chiropractic or you can just direct message me to just Ricardo Flores uh, chiropractor I think that's my link name I'll Maybe make sure use, that we can yeah. just just reach out through there I'm not going to share my 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 personal number just
0: because I don't want
1: people to just <laughs> I me wouldn't me. quite
0: do that. <laughs> anyway, um, Ricardo, thank you so much for taking some time to discuss this. I hope that um, for some people, it's just been a great topic to open their eyes into what happened before. For others, maybe a little bit of a reignition of um, of facts that that came before us and uh, just an interesting. Podcast for people to listen to have a bit more context than something that like I started with, I, I just don't think as a profession, we recognize enough or, or understand enough, just the, the, the context that it created the sacrifice that these guys did over a long, long period of their life. Um, so thank you so much. Um, thank you. No, thank you brother. Seriously.
1: Like before you, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but thank you. What you like looked into all the things that you're doing, I've looked into the podcast. Like I'm, I've, I've been a big admirer of your work, man. Like seriously, the, the social media stuff that you pump out, the information you pump out it is incredible. People need to hear it because there's so much of information coming out from other areas. And I'm telling you this generation, I think it was Simon Sensen, he, he talked about like the fourth generation, the fourth generational wave. And I think this, our, our generation that just is coming out now with new Kairos just out of school, like we have a chance to do something really big for our profession and for the entire world. It's just really trying to get together and figure out what that is, but you are, you know, you're, you're helping out in a big way. I hope you, I hope you realize that. Keep it going. Thank you
0: so much. It's very kind. It's very kind. Um, anyone listening in, please, please, please make sure you, um, you share this podcast, give it a little screenshot, tag us, wherever you've listened to us. Um, we'd love to know what you th- your thoughts are. Um, And any follow-up questions, make sure you just uh, hit us up and we'll make sure we get it answered. Once again, thank you very much for listening and uh, keep on going on.